You're now listening to Your Real Money Stories podcast. I knew that my credit score was there, but I didn't really do a lot to affect it. Um, And if I knew this would affect it negatively, I wouldn't have done it. Hi guys, I'm Ashley. I'm Eve. And I'm Nick. And we are The Money Medics. And we're your hosts of Your Real Money Stories. An original podcast series brought to you in association with Zopa. The podcast where we'll be giving you the unfiltered truth about money through anonymous confessions and unfiltered opinions. As well as providing useful information and resources for each topic we discuss. And we have to say, this isn't financial advice. These are just our views. So... In today's episode, we're going to be talking about MLM schemes. So I'm sure you've heard of like health supplements, skincare products, um, different types of MLM, and they're usually taunted as a way for you to earn extra income as an alternative to your nine to five. But like with any investment or any business, you have to consider the costs involved. And according to the BBC, actually more than 400,000 people signed up for MLM schemes last year. So as always, there'll be three sections to this podcast. First, we'll hear a personal story from anonymous guests, and then we'll discuss our own opinions. And then we've got some really useful tips and resources at the end. So today we've got Tiana joining us. And of course, that's not her real name. So Tiana, how's your day been today? It's been all right. It's been hot, but good it's been too 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 hot and this hay fever is just i feel like i'm at war with the, with the pollen in the uk i feel like the pollen is different because my hay fever is, tri- is triggered by grass pollen and i have a massive field behind my house so i wake up stressed some do say that this is like a special type of government pollen used to keep us inside <laughs> i can't lie i took two hay fever tablets and still left my house so it's not working <laughs> <laughs> So I'm going to give it to Eve to get us up to speed as to what M&Ms are, just to put it out there, they're, they're different from pyramid schemes. And even though we may um, talk about a particular provider, by no means uh, are we saying they're a pyramid scheme. We, we acknowledge that there are different companies. It can be a legitimate business model. Right, let me just get straight into it. So MLM schemes, which basically is stands for multi-level marketing is an extremely controversial way to market your business so as nix just said so technically this type of marketing is technically legal whether or not you actually make money from it oh boy so it's quite tricky to explain so i'm just going to use myself an example so let's say for example i'll be recruited into the company um, and let's say this company sells computers for example But then I earn no salary and I only make my money by earning a percentage of the computers that I sell. But most importantly, by recruiting other people underneath me to earn, I mean, to sell computers too. So that's an MLM scheme, like which I said is technically legal. Um, Now we have pyramid schemes as well, which is illegal, very, very similar. However, the only difference is that they only make money from recruiting other people. So there's the main differences between MLM and pyramid schemes. So yeah, let's get straight into the podcast. And thank you so much, Tiana, for sharing your story with us. I'm sure this is going to be a very 
interesting episode as per usual. So take us back to when, just before you were recruited into the MLM scheme, what were your finances like at the time? Um, my finances weren't bad um, whatsoever. I was working at the time, um, I was working pretty heavily and I was at first year of uni. So obviously I had my student loan and I was working more or less every other weekend. So they weren't bad. I handled my money pretty well. Um, I have an older brother and sister, so I knew how to handle money. So I wasn't too, I wasn't too mad with it in first year of uni. Um, and I got the full grant because my uni was in London. So I got the full, full of it, all of it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so if everything was not too bad at the time, which sounds great. So then how were you first introduced to this whole concept of MLM schemes then? Um, so it was my manager at the time. So I worked in hospita- hospitality at um, a sporting venue. I only worked there, let's say, four times out of the month. So I had to work other sporting venues within London as well. So bearing in mind, I'm traveling a lot. Yeah, my manager at the time at this specific sporting venue just told me, I was like, oh, I've heard about this scheme that will help you get extra money. So bearing in mind, I saw him four times out of a month. So we were pretty close. So he knew I had a specific goal in time. Um, so I wanted to save up for a car. So he was like, oh, I know you want to save up for a car. So I've heard about this, like, this opportunity. He never really said it was a scheme or anything. He just said opportunity um, where you can earn extra money. Um, at that point, I was just a standard cashier. So if you've ever worked in hospitality, you know a standard cashier is not a lot. Like it's all right, but it's not a lot if you're trying to save for a car. Um, at that time, I was very ambitious. I wanted an Audi. So yeah, <laughs> I was a very ambitious first year. Um, so I was like, you know what? Let me hear it out. This is before the whole this whole scheme in particular was very known about. Unless you knew someone who's been through it, you would have not known about it at that point in time. The scheme or the opportunity, ACN, typically in them times, they would operate in hotels. So they would have big gatherings in hotels where a lot of people, sharply dressed suits. Basically, if you worked in Canary Wharf, you know the outfit to go to this meeting in a hotel. But I never got bought in that way. So he, my manager at the time, bought me into, I think it was a Costa um, somewhere in London. So it was me, him and two other people from our bar as well. So we were all close knit. So we had some sort of trust in our manager to be like, you know what, if he's saying it's all right, we might as well hear it out. So I went to this meeting, the five of us and the manager within this scheme. He came to Costa. So it was very relaxed compared to everyone's other introduction to it, where they all were in a um, conference hall in a hotel somewhere on the border of London. So a Hilton in Heathrow or Luton. So it was very calm and relaxed. And no red flags were popping up at this point because you're thinking, cool, it's a ho- opportunity. I'm just hearing you out. So there's no point of me being in an office or smartly dressed from head to toe. Heard him out at that point, gave the basics of information yeah it wasn't didn't really feel pressured into anything um didn't say you have to sign up now or anything like that literally just gave us the information there was no leaflets it was literally all just words so no leaflet no powerpoint no nothing it was literally words and vibes um and then the the manager was a young black boy so when yeah so when you're in when from you're from a certain area you're most likely to trust people who look like you so it wasn't an old white man young black boy I think at that point I was either in my early 20s and I'm pretty sure he was mid-20s to late 20s so it was easy enough for him to persuade us 
I'm really curious. So at, at that point, did you ever know or ever hear of like an MLM scheme? Like, were you were you aware of them? I at that point, I've only heard of the standard pyramid screams, and that was it. So I've never heard of an MLM um, scheme. To this day, I still think of it as a pyramid scheme. But as Eve said at the beginning, once she broke it down, the difference. I get the difference, but if you told me this even yesterday, I would have thought it was a standard pyramid scheme. And so, like during like the meeting, did you notice like any red flags, or did something, did anything like sound weird, or like like that you weren't sure about? None whatsoever. He made it seem like it was pretty easy work, like you didn't really have to do much. Because what it was is you're selling a product. So there was. Um, there was three products. I only remember two of them. So one of them was like some little device that would help your mum call back home for a lot cheaper than her buying a calling card from the corner shop. Um, and then another one was an electricity provider. So I was in first year of uni. So sec- going into second year, I was moving into my own house. So I was like, cool, the electricity provider, I'll just sell it to me, my housemates, and then all my other friends who are moving into different houses. Like, that's not going to be hard. And then obviously the um, device to call home for cheaper my mum, I'm pretty sure at that point, she was probably spending £30 a week to come back home. Um, so I was like, that's light work. Like I said, it's my mum. I had a couple aunties. So it made sense to me. But trying to persuade people to change from what they're used to, it was hard. So trying to get uni students to buy electricity from none of the big four, was it big three? It was it was hard. But when he was selling all this, I was like, you know what? That's easy. It's like, Everyone's going to want cheaper electricity. Everyone wants to call home for cheaper because who's trying to spend £30 a week on calling cards? So, like, if, I'm, if I cast your mind back to, like, the initial meeting, did he break everything down in terms of, okay, this is how much you need, this is how much it's going to cost you, like, did you have to pay any amount of money to, like, sign up? Like, walk us through, like, after the initial meeting, what, what, what happened? So after the initial meeting, I had a one-to-one meeting with him because um, I think this was a couple of weeks later. I was like, you know what? This sounds like something I could do. Like, what's the worst that can happen? So had a one-to-one meeting. At that point, that's when he broke down that there's like some sort of fee that I would have to pay. I think it was some like some sort of membership fee because um, you needed to, to sell electricity. You have to have not some sort of license, but you can't just sell electricity just because you can. So you had to pay that. Um, Like I said, I was first year of uni. I got the full amount of student loan and I was working as well. So at that time, £107. It was a lot, but I knew in two weeks I want to get that back. And I'm just going to kind of break it down for people, like just to kind of give everyone context as to why it will affect your credit score. So usually when when you sign up via this MLM, the upfront, upfront cost is usually a, some form of loan payment. And what happens is that if you don't then pay off that loan payment via selling or recruiting other people, that's how it can turn into debt and then in turn affect your credit score. If like you want to continue buying more products to sell to people, it's essentially acting like a cash advance. And then that's that's how people get into more and more debt. But yeah, as, as, as you were saying, um, Tiana, yeah, so it's literally exactly that. Um, but I don't remember ever being told it was it would affect my credit score. I wouldn't say I was aware of my credit score or what point it was at, but I knew it was something that I should be looking after. Because first year of uni, I didn't have a credit card. 
I literally only had my phone contract. So I knew that my credit score was there, but I didn't really do a lot to affect it. Um, and if I knew this would affect it negatively, I wouldn't have done it at all. Did he let you know, like, okay, this is how much effort it's going to take to sell this thing? Or did he let you know, okay, you can make X amount by your first month? Did he Did he give you that information? I would say he probably did give me the numbers of um, I need to hit um, a certain amount. He never really said how much effort it is. So if you are a natural born salesperson, it would be all right. I'm not, I'm nowhere near a natural born salesperson. Um, I've worked in sales before, but easy sales, um, I was working in office. So if you come into office, you know you're going to buy a pair of shoes. So that was easy sales. Whereas when you're trying to persuade people to leave one service that they're comfortable with for a whole nother service, it's a lot more harder. And that is something that I was never prepared for. They never tell you how much harder it is. They just tell you, oh yeah, it's electricity. Everyone wants to change electricity. Everyone wants to call back home for a cheaper amount. But actually trying to persuade people to do it is a whole nother job especially if you're not a natural born salesperson I completely understand what you're saying because it seems as though he well from what you're saying it kind of seems as though he might have made it a bit easier than what it may, may actually be like and yeah you're right as in there's different personality types so overall whilst you was part of this did you actually manage to recruit anyone at all no okay not a single person I did try. Um, I got close. I think I got close to like one friend. I'm pretty sure she was like 70% in. But like I said, I'm not a natural born salesperson. So if I was, I probably could have signed up, let's say three or four. When you were selling, what what do your sales look like? What do you do <laughs> when you try to sell? I literally just regurgitated everything he told me. Because I said, I was like, if he could sign me on, I'm a, I would say I'm a pretty hard sell. When it comes to certain things, I'll do my research and everything. But if it sounds good enough, you know, when you just get a feeling, you're like, you know what? This sounds like something. So, yeah, I was like, if he if he can sign me on, it's not that hard. Let me just regurgitate, regurgitate it. Worst comes to worst. If I don't sell it well enough, I can just be like, you know what? Talk to this person because they'll be able to explain it a little bit better than me. I think I got two friends to that level but I think once they spoke to him they at that point when I was signing people on everyone knew of this scheme so that's when everyone was like you know what no like um it's not working at that point a lot of people who had worse experiences than me were speaking more about it so everyone was like yeah no I'm not I'm not on it I see. So when you did when you did try to recruit people, what would you do? Is it like would you like call them up? Would you take them to the coffee shop similar to what the other guy did? Like what was your technique? A lot of them were my friends. So um there were people that I was living with, so whenever we're all in the house I'll sit them down. Oh, this sounds pretty bad. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> do you know what? It's only because this has happened to me a few times. Yeah. So I know that feeling. <laughs> but it makes it worse. You know when you're uh, like all the times when it's been in a hotel, like you can get up and leave, but I'm living with these people. I'll fully sit them down <laughs> and be like, guys, we need to change our electricity. We're paying too much. So then when you try to recruit everyone and everyone I was like no I'm not interested so then what was it was it that like you just stopped or can you even stop can you isn't like when you're in it you're kind of stuck in it is there a contract how did you there is no contract actually yeah from what I remember I don't remember signing anything other than the initial amount that I paid at the beginning 
I don't remember signing anything. Now that I know that initial amount is the loan that they give you for you to kind of get the first initial product. So basically it worked out. So if you were able to sell it to someone on the amount that person paid for that product is paying off for the product you bought. But if you don't manage to sign someone on, then you're paying it for yourself. I didn't know that. So I literally just stopped. Like once I realized this is not working, I'm not, I'm not, no one's signing on. No one's, um, wants the new electricity. No one wants the little device. I completely stopped, um, without reading any of, you know, I don't even think I even got an email to be like, this is what is required of you. At that point, I, w- I was very aware of you need a contract, but I, from what I remember, I don't remember ever signing anything that was equivalent to a contract. So they made you buy the devices and you have to sell the devices onto other people. And if you're not able to sell them, then you take on the cost. Yeah. But if you are able to sell them, then um, the people that you sell them to are, of course, paying them, paying for them. So what was the... Um, what was the main way of making money within that business? Was it that you make money from recruiting people or you make money from selling the devices? A mixture of both. So every device, so initially if I sold a lot of devices or the electricity, a percentage of that would have gone to the person to who recruited me. To me, it still feels like a pyramid scheme because the person above me gets a chunk of what I'm making. Um, so if I manage to sign someone on, Anything that they sold, I would have got a percentage of anything that they sold. And then a part of that would have gone to the person above me and then so on and so forth. And so that that's the guy at the coffee shop? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Okay, I see. So then at what point did you realise like it had affected your credit score? Like, oh. Not till years later. Um, it wasn't until I actually tried to get a credit card. Um, so I think it was third year of uni so it's not until like two years later um and then it, the credit card wasn't even great so I tried to sign and then when they declined me I sat down I was like something's wrong from when these credit cards that the, a- the APR is madness and they more or less take anyone they're declining me that's when I was like you know what? I need to do a little bit of research and see what is going on um and I I also tried to get finance on Ikea so at that point I was um re- modeling or redesigning my room so I was getting a whole lot of a whole lot of new furniture um I think the total cost came out to like 1005 and I was like I've got the money but I don't want to pay that outright um so I went to Ikea finance and then they declined me and I sat down I was like this doesn't make sense like I've got the money outright but from when Ikea is declining me I was like this is a problem so we've got the bad credit cards declining me and then Ikea declining me I was like, yeah, I need to understand what's going on. I signed up to Experian. So Experian was the first one that I signed up to. Um, and then I paid, I think it's £15 to get my full credit report. And when I got the full pre- um, credit report, I literally sat down for like an hour looking for it. And lo and behold, there was ACN. And I sat there and I was like, wow. I was like, okay, something from a year and a half, two years ago is affecting me now. Yeah, it was missed payments. It didn't say how much, but it literally just said missed payments. Um, missed payments for that year. So once I think once the year started over again, it just stopped. So ooh, I can't remember when, but I just know, yeah, for that year, it literally just said missed payments. Um, I, I think it's even March or April until the end of the year. 
And then when the new year started, it just stopped. You know what? I didn't even chase it like that. <laughs> I more or less just looked at it and I was like, okay, cool. I understood that mispayments affect your credit score. And that's probably why my credit is like is being declined. But I didn't chase into if I needed to pay it back or what would happen. I literally just acknowledged it and I was like, cool, I need to fix this. Um, at that point, I think, actually, yeah, I called Experian and I was like, cool, I have these missed payments on my account. Like, what? Do, like, how long is it going to stay on my account? Because it was, even though the missed payments lasted until the end of the year, it was a year before they reported to Experian that I hadn't paid anything. So I took that as they're not reporting to Experian anymore. So they've kind of just let it go. So I called Experian and I was like, what do I need to do? They're like, well, it's going to stay on your account for the, at that point, I think it was the next five years. And I was like, okay. I was like, is there anything I can do like between now and then? They were like, try and get a credit um, credit card out. Because at that point I was on the electoral roll. I had my phone contract out. I was paying my electricity in my mum's house. So I had some sort of history so they were like, yeah, you just need to literally just wait it out until it comes off your report. So um, thankfully, it comes off my report this October. So um, in regards to paying it back, so did you know that you had to have these payments that you had to pay back? Were you aware of this? Or do you feel like that's one of the things that they kind of didn't really tell you? Yeah, this is, I didn't know literally that I would have to pay it back they never from what I remember never contacted me I'm not sure if it's because I when I signed up I was at my uni address and I probably put my uni address down and they probably tried to contact me at my uni address but either way they had my mobile number they had my email like my email has not changed since that time so now now that you've been through the situation do you feel like you're able to spot an MLM scheme pretty quickly definitely um yeah I think the last one that I heard of was like, I think they called it a circle, tried to throw people off. They tried to change the shape to throw people off. But um, as soon as I hear anything that you have to bring somebody on for you to make money, that's when I was like, no, I'm good. I'm all right. As soon as you mention on LinkedIn that you're looking for a job, the amount of schemes or opportunities that pop out out of nowhere, people you're not even following, people that are beyond third connections, that are approaching you for an opportunity literally just come out of nowhere i know it's like their buzzword isn't it yeah i think the last one was um a guy that had so many titles in his name um i think there was md phd like you know all of that professional qualifications in in your linkedin name to be honest, that should have been a red flag for me in the first place. I can't lie. I don't really see red flags too tough. I've come to the conclusion. So what would you say to people? Like, um, how would you advise people to avoid the schemes? Anything that seems too good to be true or you're going to get money quickly um, and they're saying it doesn't involve hard work is a lie. Um, like, as I think I've said before, like, it's, it did work for a couple of people i do know a a small amount the amount of people that recruited compared to the amount of people that i wouldn't say succeeded but done well there is a small amount in in that number that done well that were able to get money off it but like i said before they were natural sales people it's literally being a salesperson but without being in an office so anyone like that it they probably succeeded in 
Whereas I feel like there's not that many people who are naturally born salespeople. Because if everyone was a natural born salesperson, the world would be a mess. We're all buying, we'll all be buying things unnecessarily. But I do believe there are some people that did well, are probably even still doing well. Yeah, it just wasn't for me. And I would say there probably was a lot of red flags that I should have seen. But because I had a goal in mind, my goal probably overstepped the red flags. So what are you up to now? Like, what are you doing now in terms of like work and stuff like that? Um, So I'm an events executive. So yeah, I, I, to simplify it, I plan events for a living. <laughs> that job title sounds so fancy. I'm an events yeah. executive. <laughs> yeah, it, it sounds, it sounds exciting. I can't lie, before Corona, it was a very exciting role because I used to go to restaurants just for banter. Um, literally just email them and be like we need a private space for this many people um, like what can you do that like, used to be exciting just haggling and going to so many venues that in my head I wouldn't think I would go on a normal dinner with friends or family so it was exciting just approaching different venues whereas now everything's on zoom but yeah I'm working in events working on my credit score still even though my credit score right now on Experian is excellent i'm in the 900s now it only took me the whole of 2020 for me to get back to the 900s but that's only an experience whereas on credit karma and clear score my credit score isn't at the same level as experience so i'm trying to balance the keeping experience at 900 but bring the other two up without messing my experience score um, so trying to find that balance is difficult at the moment. So I used, last year I used Lockbox. I don't know if you guys have heard about that. So that's what I used for Lockbox. But Lockbox only reports to Experian and Credit Score. It doesn't report to Credit Karma. I've gone on to Bits. Yeah, and but Bits doesn't report to Experian. <laughs> so trying to find something that reports to both. Because I'm still, like I said earlier, I'm not confident enough to fully outright apply for a credit card just in case they decline me. Like, I've still got that nervousness, even if Lloyd's out here saying, basically, just apply, give you one. I still have that feeling in me where it's, if I apply, they're going to say no. I still have that feeling. So I don't want to risk it. Like, I've spent the last year, bearing in mind the past year, I wasn't working, but I still managed to get my credit score improving. Yeah. No, no, honestly, we, we really, really appreciate you. Like, it's... um. I know, because times are so uncertain, it's so easy for someone to slide into your DMs and say, oh, I've got I've got an opportunity for you, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, I say right now it's even worse. So like I mentioned earlier, someone on LinkedIn messaged me. It wasn't until the second email I realised he was talking about um, the same scheme that I was in how many years ago. But he approached me, like, that's when I started. So I think it was two, three weeks after I put on LinkedIn that I was looking for a new role. Um, he approached me he's like I've got this exciting opportunity for you you can work any hours when I tell you everyone that approaches me on LinkedIn telling me about opportunity they go through the third degree like you're not getting my email until you tell me where how much like a proper job description until you get my email because I don't want you to go in my emails and be like oh yeah it's this it's this program where you have to sign I'd know I'm no I'm too old for that Wow, that was really interesting. Before we move on to the next section, guys, I urge you to check your credit score. If you've, if you've had a conversation 
with an MLM person, you don't know whether they're taking your results. I mean, not your results. You don't know whether they're taking your details. Because obviously she said that she didn't sign the contracts, but then there was something on her credit file. So definitely check your credit score, guys, if you haven't. And also just to add some context to, you know, the last part that we were talking about. Um, first of all, there are actually three credit reference checking agencies. So you've got TransUnion, Equifax and Experian. So for Experian, obviously that's Experian. For TransUnion, um, you can find your TransUnion credit score through companies like Credit Karma. And then you can find your Equifax credit score through a company like um, ClareScore. And then also, she mentioned two companies. One was called Loxbox. The other one was called Bits. These are basically companies that help you build your credit score. So you basically pay like a subscription price and then they help you to build your credit score. So if you get the chance, you can um, check them out. Anyway, let's move forward with the questions, guys. So have you ever been approached or thought about, you know, being a part of an MLM scheme? You know what? I'm going to say... Actually, say your answer first before I say my answer. Me? Okay. I feel like these MLM people... Which, I'm joking, I'm joking, I'm joking. <laughs> now I know what you're talking about, Nick. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Wait, wait. First of all... <laughs> okay, so I'm going to talk about MLM scheme. I'm going to talk about pyramid scheme. Obviously, as we said in the beginning of the podcast, they're both very different. I've been approached to enter like an MLM scheme. I'm not going to lie to you. When I say... I'm like, you know, like a sniffer dog. I can sniff an MLM scheme from a mile away. Literally. You know, like they always use those keywords like exciting opportunity. They never want to tell you what it's about or like they always say, oh, let's meet in person. I remember, yeah, there was this lady that, you know, she DM'd DM'd me on LinkedIn. I thought, this is a doctor. This person is legitimate. And then she was saying, would you be interested in this opportunity? I was thinking, she's a doctor. Maybe she, because I'm a pharmacist and maybe she wants to, you know, I don't know, for us to work together, whatever. Then, after I started reading her bio, saying how she quit her job, and obviously, I'm, I'm a bit of an internet stalker, beware. So I found her on Instagram, like, looking through all her Instagram stories, looking through all her page, and I always noticed that she was using this particular product. Then I went to go and Google, I, I, I think at the corner of one picture, I saw a tea that she was drinking, and I went to go and Google what the tea was, then I discovered there was an MLM scheme, then I just stopped replying to her messages, because me and MLM schemes, I, I really... I hate them so much. You can make a lot of money, but I feel like they really prey on the vulnerable and weak. So I really dislike them. In terms of like my experience of pyramid scheme, I'm not gonna lie to you. Like me and Nick, we've like part of our childhood was like being recruited into like these like these money pyramid schemes. I'm sure Nick can weigh in on this. I remember when we was in A levels, right? And like um, our mum was like, "Oh, there's this scheme. It's called Just Been Paid." If you put in seven pounds, you'll get back like a hundred pounds in one week. So I'm thinking, I'm thinking like, wow, I'm really, I was like, okay, cool. I'm going to put a hundred pounds. I'm going to be a millionaire in like, by the end of the year. And I was so excited. I was like, oh my God, my life is going to be changed forever. Obviously that didn't happen because as soon as I tried to withdraw the money, the company had been dissolved, it shut down. And but there was another time, I think there's another one called Banners Brokers. I remember my mum calling me and Nick and she said that if you don't sign up to this company today you're going to be in big trouble and I was thinking ah, why do you want us to sign up to these companies please obviously you were not involved in them anymore but I have a very vivid experience of like MLM schemes and pyramid schemes and I absolutely I hate them so much I hate people that I don't hate people that do them but when people do them I'm just like why why do you have to do this there's other ways to earn money you know what about you Nick 
No, you, you took the words out of my mouth, you know, those childhood memories. I think there was another one to do with like um, insurance or something whereby like selling people like... Life insurance, like, wasn't it? Yeah, something to do with selling people life insurance and stuff. So, you know, it's, I don't know. It's, yeah, I, yeah, I have, yeah, I have experience of it and I was always anti, you know, I don't believe in... I never was a believer in get Wait, rich. Wait, did you um, sign up to life insurance one as well? No, I didn't. My mum was... Uh, this, this is going to sound so bad. Our mum had a very good career, uh, hired a career, but I don't know. She just... I don't know if she was easily influenced or something. No, do, do, do you know what it is? I feel like they prey on people like when they're, like, they're looking for like a financial breakthrough and stuff like that. So that's how you get recruited or maybe... Because normally like, you get recruited by a friend that you trust, right? That's how it happens, you know. And also, I feel like, obviously, back then, there wasn't a lot of, like, clarity and information. Social media wasn't what it was back then. But now, there are, like, websites dedicated to, like, M&M and, like, pyramid schemes where you can Google the company and you can you can read reviews on how people were scammed out of money. So, it's for you to get recruited into M&M scheme or pyramid scheme in this day and age, you knew it was a scheme because you, you could have Googled it. No offence, but you, you could have Googled it. What are you? There's actually someone trying to recruit me as we speak. Like, <laughs> he messaged me yesterday trying to recruit me. And I don't know, I've just been asking him lots of questions um, to kind of... No, I'm not trying to troll him. I'm just trying to gather, like, is he aware that what he's doing is, like, he's in a scheme? So I'm trying to ask him questions to determine whether he knows he's in a scheme. But um, yeah, I think I'm just going to like stop replying because I don't want him to think that I'm like genuinely interested. But yeah, man, how many times have I, all the time. I remember my friend's dad was part of a pyramid scheme. Then my friend invited me to like this great opportunity. And I ended up going to this office space and lots of people, lots of Africans were there and they're like telling us about selling these like, uh, holiday tickets and stuff like that I was like what the what the hell was this and then another one where oh my gosh I, I remember I was doing my exams so I was did not have patience for anyone because I had my exams very soon then one of my cousins came over I think it was actually the same a similar scheme but anyway um he started telling me about how oh he's part of this scheme and people are millionaires this that and the other and I was just like, yeah, yeah, okay, sure. Like, you know, you're just waiting for someone to leave so that you can continue revising for your final exams. But yeah, all the time, I feel like constantly, I'm constantly, I don't know, maybe I'm like a, a vulnerable face or people think that I'm a good target. I don't know, but people are, yeah, people are constantly trying to recruit me. Please leave me alone, I'm not interested. <laughs> no, that's been a really, really enlightening episode. I think the most important thing to understand is with these, it's like MLMs are not illegal. It's the pyramid schemes are, and it's, it's a, a big key in knowing the difference, which we've talked through. But I think the, the most important thing, like why please, please do share, you know, this episode. I think it's probably even one of the most informative because it's, it's happening and it's still happening. They tend to target students. And most of the time, uh, students have little knowledge of entrepreneurship. Um, they tend to target, um, I'd probably say middle-aged or baby boomers or people that are quite a lot older because they're not really well-versed on getting information online. So they don't, those 
like our parents or whatever, they're not used to kind of verifying and double checking, oh, is this a, a pyramid scheme or not? Another thing, sadly enough, they, they target ethnic minorities. That's that's the, the, the sad truth of, of the matter. So really do keep a close eye on your your loved one to prevent them from making um, any unnecessary losses. And as we said quite a few times, there is particular language people use. So it's, it's usually along the lines that um, I can show you a way to earn a certain amount of money from X and you have your passive income, you have the potential to earn up to insert quotation mark the high returns. As you said, I'm, um, I've got a fantastic business opportunities to show you. Those are very, very key words that uh, people tend to use. Um, so I think the most important thing is really, really be clued on. Like this stuff is rampant. There's actually this website that you can go on. And what they do is that they regularly add companies are like MLMs or like pyramid schemes to the list so that you can obviously just check. So it's called mlmtruth.org and um, it gets updated regularly and you can just check if the company's MLM or whatnot and whether they're still active or closed down. Uh, but yeah, just always practice uh, scepticism, you know, be a skeptic. We really do hope you enjoy this episode, guys. So you've just listened to another episode of Your Real Money Stories. Bye, guys. Bye, guys. Bye. You've just listened to an episode of Your Real Money Stories, an original podcast brought to you in association with Zopa. Who provide great value financial products and tools to make managing your money a lot easier. So make sure you subscribe and share with your friends who you think might have related to this episode. For more information and resources around the themes discussed in this episode, head over to zopa.com forward slash podcast. And of course, if you want to be on the next episode, make sure you slide into our DMs on Instagram at moneymedics. 